How about you say it with me? This changes everything. Yeah, what a great deal. Any of you remember when you were dead in sin? Ooh, that was bad. Uh, my buddy was teaching his kids, uh, the not the bar mitzvah, he was teaching them the Passover Seder. And they were little guys. And uh, when you do the Passover Seder, you eat uh, bitter root or horseradish is what most people do now. And you put it in your mouth and you go, this is sin. This is sin. And he, he put the little horseradish in his boy's mouth and said, this is sin. The boy goes, ooh, I hate sin, daddy. <laughs> and and that's it, man. Any of you remember how bad that, you know, how dark it was and uh uh, you know, sometimes uh, Bill and I were talking, my boss, and we were talking the other day about how sometimes we're really good at helping everybody see how dark it is. And uh, it is dark. You know, sin is dark. Uh, but that's not really what we're about. We're about the light. And uh, we're trying to kind of uh, ask God to put some kind of mag- magnometer, something that magnifies this truth to our hearts today about the beauty of the light. See, everything changes with Jesus, the light of the world. And I was talking to Brother Peretti, a district superintendent, many years ago, and he said, Kent, there's a fine line between being saved and carnal and being lost and moral. It's a fine line. But the difference between the two is eternal. So the difference between having... uh, in our term today, the difference between being in the dark and being in the light is immeasurable. It's such a huge difference. You can't even get a tape measure around it. And we want you today to have a sense of that light of God. We want you to have that sense of darkness that that uh, you were pretty dark. Uh, Paul said not many of you were very noble when God called you. And that, in fact, people... Uh, can forget the sin that we were in. We can forget how bad it was, or we can forget how bad it is. We can forget uh, the addictions. We can forget the hatred. We can forget the bitterness. We can forget the just all kinds of stuff inside of us that we can forget. And uh, I don't want you to forget. I want you to remember that. But what I want you to know today is that the light is a kazillion, trazillion, bazillion, whatever number is big, I don't know big numbers, better than the dark. The light is absolutely incredible. And uh, do you remember the day the light came to your house? You know what I'm saying? Do you remember the day that Jesus came by and touched your soul? Well, the thing about God is that's so fascinating to me is that he's both visible and invisible. There are things that God does that we can see, and most of the things God does we can't understand. In Genesis 1, we have the creation of light. In in John chapter 1, we have the creation of, uh, not the creation, we have the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of the true light. So it's a, it's a, it's a play on words between the created light and Jesus, the light of the world. John 1, uh, for example, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God, in John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And God said, let there be light. In him was life and that life was the light of men. First five verses of Genesis 1 and 5, 1 are kind of paralleling this whole light idea. Well, when it comes to created light, Check out this image of the light spectrum. This is an image of the light spectrum. In the middle of the top line, you can see purple, green, yellow, reddish, these colors. That is the only part of the image, that is the only part of the spectrum the human eye can see. 
From over here, 10 minus 12 meters, over here to 10 to the third kilometers, all that black space is light that God created that the human eye cannot see. Check this out. As you can see, less than 1% of all light that reaches us is in the visible spectrum. By most estimates, it comes out to, check this out, 0.0035% of the entire spectrum can the human eye see. 0.0035. Why? Because an amazing God made light. He didn't make one little frequency. He made this most incredible light that is uh, uh, almost unbelievable and, and phenomenal. And I believe that we can't see 99.7% of the Genesis 1 light. Genesis 1 light. And God said, let there be light. Not .0035 is all that's visible to us. It's maybe even less. In John 1 light. In John 1 where it says in him was life and that life was the light of men. When you look at Jesus. When you look at God. When I look at theology. I'm convinced I barely see even 1% of what God's included in that beautiful man Jesus Christ. It's not fair to apply it to a person or it's, it's fair but not maybe exegetically correct, but it says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard. My point being is that if I look at Jesus every moment for the rest of my life, I'll still miss 99% or even more of his greatness, even more of how fantastic he really is. Because the vast majority of what God has done and is doing and will do are outside of our vision capacity. Outside of our vision capacity. Reinhard Bonnke passed away this week, a famous uh, minister of the gospel, uh, related to a friend of mine. Uh, he's not related, he's married uh, to a friend of mine's uh, sister. And uh, in that whole process, can, can anybody see what God did in the 75 million people? That gave their heart to Christ when he preached. It's, 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 it's in that, it's in that invisible spectrum. I mean, uh, it's just hard to say. Uh, can you see, you can see the outworkings. You were mean and obnoxious and bitter and you gave your heart to Christ. You came out of the dark into the light and all of a sudden your heart is full of love and compassion. You know, have you ever seen these guys? They don't, no, don't touch them, man. They're thugs. They don't want nobody around them. They give their heart to Jesus. They're hugging everybody. I mean, you can see the outward work, but, but you can't see what happened in the heart. It's, it's in that invisible spectrum. And although we have the concepts, many of the things God does are not visible. And in a sense, we are blind to it. And even though we are blind to it and we, we don't see all the forms and shapes and textures and shades, we know by the character of what we do see how beautiful God and his works are that we can't see. 
Just take a look at something that's really beautiful to you, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a, a sunset or maybe it's a, a person. You think that's a really beautiful person or, or whatever it is you think is beautiful. Just take a look at that. And it is, I just suggest that's not even 0.0035% of the beauty God has in his creation, nor is it 0.0035 of the beauty God has in you and for you and through you. Sometimes we, we, we tend to live in the part of the spectrum that we can navigate. We, we live in the part of the spectrum that we know. So we're always training our pastors, don't say anything about heaven or hell at a funeral. And I don't mean about heaven or hell at a funeral in preaching. I mean about where the deceased went. How do we know? You know, my wife's dad died this week. Paula's uh, birth father died. She's down away for a while right now. And, and, uh, and he was as bad a human being as a human being can be. I mean, he was wicked, he was diabolical, it, and uh, it, it, he was just terrible. That's the bottom line. His family was gathered around him the last week, witnessing to him morning, noon, and night, trying to get him to give his heart to Christ. And they've been trying for 79 years, they've been trying to get him to come to Christ. Well, we, he didn't, that we know of, but we don't know. We can't measure his heart. Can you? Can you get into that invisible spectrum? And, you know, here's one that we say, well, I know this guy's with the Lord. Well, I don't. You know, I don't know what was rolling around in that invisible spectrum. And so if we're not careful, we tend to stay only in what we can see because sometimes what we can't see, you can't be definitive on what you cannot see. It's hard to be definitive on the invisible, but... But the fact of the matter is, God is beautiful. We know he's beautiful based on what we've seen. His character never changes. And so if this inch is beautiful, the rest of infinity is beautiful. If this slice is loving, the rest of the slice is loving. If this slice is grace, the rest of the slices are grace. Because we know the character of the whole by the part. And to be able to say, you know, as we think about coming out of darkness into this marvelous light, it's true to say, I don't see all that God does, but I want to say he's beautiful. Praise God. He is beautiful. Here's a trick question that I've given the other answer for many times. What can you see in your blind spot? Technically nothing. That's why it's called a blind spot. But when it comes to the light spectrum that I'm using on Jesus today, what can you see in your blind spot? All kinds of amazing things can be seen in your blind spot. Things you never knew about God before. Things you never understood. Heart and compassion and kindness that God has toward you that you never even dreamed possible. And you're sitting there and you say, my, I, my vision does not have the capacity to see this, but I see it anyways because God has opened up part of that invisible light spectrum to me and I'm able to see things. Praise the Lord. Uh, John, uh, 1 John 1 says, that which was from the beginning, 
that which we have heard with our ears and seen with our eyes, declare we unto you. John wasn't saying, uh, let's pick a verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his own. He wasn't saying something that he only thought about. He was saying something that his own eye had seen. That which was from the beginning, which we have touched with our hands and seen with our eyes. We've been able to see into that invisible spectrum just a little bit. On my wedding day, I was coming from Martin Old and I hit my brakes for no reason. As I turned left onto Northern Lights, I just got ready to turn and I hit my brakes for no reason whatsoever. When uh, all of a sudden this big rig comes about 40 miles an hour, didn't see the red light and I would have been killed on my, I, I was, I was less than a second from being in the path of that truck. But God opened the invisible part of my eye just enough to hit the brake. Afterwards, I thought, man, I didn't even see that truck coming. How many times does God, God just give you a hint? He, he just opens up something that naturally you can't see. And you just say, God, uh, amen. Because some of us are, we don't even have .0035. We're at like .00035 if you're like me. You say, you know what, God? In Genesis 1, you removed the darkness by the creation of light. In John 1, you removed the moral darkness of my heart by the incarnation of Jesus. And I stand here on the second Sunday of Advent saying, come in, light. Change everything, light. Let the light shine. Come in, O light of glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. As dark as the dark is, the light is always brighter far. I worked hard on this sentence, so I hope you'll at least listen to it. God is light. He's insurmountable, non-destroyable, irresistible, non-overcomable, undefeatable, indefatigable, and eternal. In other words, the Bible says in John 1, 4, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Listen to me. The darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot defeat the light. Not now, not then, not ever. The light that came into the world is indefeasible, indestructible, non-resistible. It is eternal light. Now, I know how it goes. All types of things try to end the light. All kinds of things try to end the light. Let's just say on the cross, the enemy tried to end the light. Yeah, of course he did. But it didn't start there. He tried to end the light before the creation ever happened, before the earth portion of creation ever happened. The Bible says that Lucifer made an appeal to say, you're not the light I am. And one of the most poignant verses in the Bible, in my estimation, is the verse that says, and there was war in heaven. What an uh, uh, unusual passage. There was war in heaven. In other words, this worship leader decided, hey, I'm not a worship leader. I am the item of worship. I'm not just here strumming my whatever they play in eternity. I'm here to be the one worshiped. I, I tell you what, this light really doesn't belong to you, God. This light belongs to me, Lucifer. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Lucifer. And God says, no, you're not stealing the light, buddy. And there was a war in heaven and a third of the angels and Lucifer himself were cast down out of heaven. 
And so then Adam and Eve are created and the enemy goes, okay, I didn't get your light in that war, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to get your light on the earth. I'm going to get Adam and Eve to bite into this, uh, this belief that they too can be like Lucifer and replace God. And so watch this, God, you put your guys in my world and they're messed up because I am the prince and the power of the air. And I got Adam and Eve in my care. I'll tell you what, I'm snuffing out their light. It didn't work, did it? So throughout history from Genesis 1, the enemy has been trying to get the light. All of a sudden, he's nervous. He's saying, what's going on here? I hear angels singing. I haven't heard angels singing since I get kicked out of the choir myself, Lucifer might have said. And what are the angels singing? Glory to God in the highest peace on earth, goodwill toward men. A Savior has been born. Hey, where's this Savior born? Hold it. I, I got to find this deal. I got to snuff out that light again. Well, we know he's probably born somewhere in the Middle East because that's kind of the way God's rolling here in the Old Testament. So I'll tell you what, I can't find him. So kill all the babies three years old and under. Kill every baby. Let's get rid of that light while we have the shot. Kill every baby under the age of three years old. Ray Bach, it's called the slaughter of the innocents. Ray Bakke likes to say it this way, and it's stuck in my heart. A world of three-year-olds died for Jesus before Jesus could go to the cross and die for them. Let's pluck his beard and pull his hair. Let's, let's beat him to a smithereens. Let's, let's make him unrecognizable. They beat Jesus so bad. Isaiah said, there was no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. Another way of people saying that is they beat him beyond looking like a human being. Here's the light of the world being beaten outside of human form. Now he doesn't look like a dog. He doesn't look like a human. He doesn't look like a being. He is beaten beyond recognition. There is no form nor comeliness. He's not handsome. He's not beautiful. He doesn't even look like a human being. And they put the the, the crossbar on his back and they force him up the way of suffering and up the way of Golgotha. And he hangs there between heaven and hell and he breathes his last. And for just a moment, the enemy says, a finally succeeded. I missed out in the choir deal up there. I missed out with Adam and Eve and I missed out when I killed all the babies under three, but I didn't lose it this time. I snuffed out the light. They took Jesus off the cross as dead as dead can be. The light out. It was lights out. Jesus was not sleeping. He didn't have a flicker. He didn't have a reserve battery. He was dead. They lay him in a borrowed tomb, and there in that borrowed tomb, a bunch of spiritual things happened. Jesus uh, was there dead at enough, and God says that on some particular moment, God had had enough, and God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, listen to this, if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you. Who raised Jesus from the dead? The Spirit of the living God raised Jesus from the dead. And all of a sudden, I'm making this up now, all of a sudden, Lucifer's in his control tower somewhere in Pergamum. He's in his control tower, and somebody goes, uh, boss? I go, yeah, we got a little flicker. What do you mean we got a little flicker? You know the light we stamped out on Friday? Yeah. You know, the one that we buried in that empty, yeah, 
there's a flicker going on. He said, what do you mean a flicker? And all of a sudden, the light comes out again. Amen. Amen. The darkness cannot overcome the light. Say it with me. The darkness cannot overcome the light in you. Not just in Jesus, not just in Bethlehem, but in you. You say, well, I've got this. Here's, uh, here's what I did all night. I was praying like a maniac after a while last night. Uh, Julie was here for a little while and Pastor Martin and uh, Fred, we were praying. And then I got the place to myself and I began to walk around here and I began to call light out of darkness in your life. Now, I don't know much about you, but I know a lot about darkness, and I know a little bit about light, and I just decided that when you came in this house, darkness would not stay inside your heart. Amen. That abuse that you've been carrying for the last 30 years, that's darkness, and God's got light to take that darkness right out of there, and the darkness cannot resist it because the light of God is imperviable. The light of God is indefatigable. It's indestructible. So I was walking around and I said, Lord, I think somebody's going to sit right here who has cancer and I'm calling healthy cells out of the dark cells. Somebody right here has depression, not even wanting to live. And I'm calling healthy cells out of depressed cells. The Bible tells us in the text that it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness. I'm asking you to begin a process. Some of you begin, others continue to look into the darkness and call light out of it. You say, I'm blind. I don't see what's going on. You don't have to see what's going on because you trust the character of the God that you can see what's going on. I tell you what, when I'm done preaching, I'm going to be blessed whether you are or not because I'm fired up about this God who calls light out of darkness. Amen. He calls sobriety out of years of addiction. He calls morality out of years of pornography. He calls righteousness out of years of diabolical wickedness. Why? We don't see the whole spectrum, but the part we see is all hell tried to kill the light and it didn't succeed and nor will it succeed today for you or me. Amen. Amen. You, you have an exciter that might get blessed in just a minute if the Lord helps me. My mom is 86 years old. She's 86 years old. She's getting in her car. Or she comes out of the grocery store uh, Friday. She comes out of the grocery store and two thugs jump out of a truck next to her car and approach her to rob my mom, my 86-year-old mom. Makes me mad. However... My mom said, the Holy Ghost said, they're going to hurt you. And my hand shot up, and I pointed those men in their eyeballs, and I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. Right? This is my 86-year-old mom. She said, their faces twisted. She said, can't. They said, oh, you're different. Who's that with you? You look strange. My sister said, an angel of the Lord came and stood by my 86-year-old mom, who in the face of the dark thugs about to rob her for some Christmas money, said, in the strong name of Jesus. 
You can sit around and let the enemy steal and rob and pillage if you want to. Or you can say, you know what, God? I don't have the whole light spectrum figured out, but the part I do have figured out right here, I'm going to quote it into the darkness. I'm going to quote this into what I can't understand right now. By his stripes I am healed. By, by God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He is my way. He is my truth. He is my life. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. I'm not, I've been pressed down, but I've not been abandoned. I've been persecuted, but I've not been destroyed. I've been cut off, but I am yet living. And you take the light spectrum you know, and you declare it into the darkness you don't know, and you watch the God who on the beginning said, let me call light out of darkness, and he called light out of darkness. Hallelujah! Come on, get over it. You're about to win. Yeah, you're about to win. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Nothing in all creation can eliminate the light. Well, Pastor Kent, my sin is so horrific. It is. That's part of darkness. But you know what? It'll only hold you if you let it. If you turn to the light, he that cometh to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast out. You turn to the light and all of a sudden, all the, have you ever turned on the light and there were mice or rodents or bugs in the house and you turn on the light and they go running? That's what's going to happen in your life when you get onto this thing with the word of God and you look at that memory and you say, you know what memory? I'm bringing the light of God into that memory and you watch the bugs flee from that thing. You watch the mice and the rodents run because the light the darkness cannot expel it. It cannot comprehend it. Nothing formed against you can conquer you. Amen. Praise God. One day I was reading that, and by the way, anybody wear Nikes? Some people wear Nikes. That's a Greek word that's out of one of the most popular verses of the Bible. And it says, what's going to try to, what gay taste? Uh, uh, it shortened as Nike. And it says, what's going to try to, what's going to try to conquer you? Shall death try to conquer you? Shall famine try to conquer you? Shall peril conquer you? All around you are conquerors. Here's death. It can conquer me. Here's famine. It can conquer me. In Burkina Faso, here's persecution. It can conquer me. There's peril and trouble and sword and everything all around. Look at all these conquerors. And Paul says, on the contrary, you are more than every conqueror that tries to come against you. You are more than those conquerors. Niketes is the word for victory. You are a victor over the conquerors in your life. Not in your own strength, not in your own way, but in the power of Most High God. Praise the Lord. And it's marvelous. Say it with me. It's marvelous. Turn to someone near and go, you look marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how marvelous is my Savior's love for me. Dan says, you're going to pull an old one out of the hat. Never know if I am or not. Do it again. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how marvelous. That's enough. It's marvelous. My mom had me memorize this years ago. She said, son, I want you to know this one. Because it is he who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Where is Kent standing today? I'm standing in marvelous light. Amen. How's the economy? Who cares? I'm in marvelous light. 
How am I feeling? Who cares? I'm in marvelous light. How's my bank account? I care, but I'm in marvelous light. How are you? I'm in marvelous light. Amen. Come on. I'm in marvelous light. He said, who called you out of marvelous light? Look at this verse. It says to us, there were some problems here. It said, you were unidentified and undervalued people, but now you are a chosen people. Amen. How dark was it? It was so dark. We weren't even a people. Why was it now? We're a chosen people. How bad was it? We didn't even have a ministry. There was nothing we could do. We were just peasants on the planet. But now we are a royal priesthood. Praise God. Now that's a pretty bright light. I've gone from nothing to a royal priesthood. He said, oh yeah, and you didn't belong to anything. You, you had no one to belong to, but now you are my own possession. I called you to be my own possession so that you will now go and declare the excellencies of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise God. The joy of just declaring to Anchorage the excellencies of him who brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. No, you don't know the full spectrum of the light God gave you, nor do I know the full spectrum of the light God's given to me, but the part I can see is beautiful. Praise God. It's marvelous light. You say, but if you knew my story, I don't know your story. And people used to say, "I, I need to tell you my story until you can pray for me. I say, okay, tell me your story. I'll pray for you. After 39 years of this, I'm tired of hearing all people's hard stories. I can't carry all y'all stories. So I say, tell Jesus your story. Let me pray for you. You got to understand what I'm saying? And you just say, you know what? I don't know your story, but I know this. You're in marvelous light if you're saved. I don't know what the doctor said this week. We have a lady in our church that had pain in her jaw. She went to the dentist this week. Uh, not the one you're thinking about, Bill. Another lady went to the dentist this week, pain in her cheek. The doctor said, you know what? I got bad news. I predict you're in heaven in four months. Four months. Four months. So you got tooth problem. You're still in marvelous light. Right? You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You're still in marvelous light. Wherever it is, when you're saved, you're in marvelous light. Don't let the enemy or the pressure of the culture take away the marvelousity, homemade word. Don't let him take away the marvelousity of the light. Well, I'm stuck in Alaska in December near the darkest day of the year. That's fine. You're also in marvelous light. You can even be a Raiders fan and be in marvelous light. I'm going to go through a couple things really quick. I want you to get them and uh, just feel it. This marvelous light, things we can't see. It's off the, it's off the visibility scale of God's uh, spectrum of his light. One is the atonement. I am deeply cleansed. You can't see that. I don't know what it looks like to be cleansed. I don't know all the ins and outs of that. But how many of you know you came to Jesus pretty dirty and he washed you up pretty clean? That's, called, that's, off, the, that's off the spectrum. But the fact is, it's something God has done. You're deeply cleansed. Expiation. Expiation is when your punishment is taken by another I want you to look back at the beaten body of Jesus I tried to describe a moment ago as all hell took out its fury on a weak, frail human being known as Jesus of Nazareth. 
And look at him there, beaten and bloody and wounded. And then look at him on the cross and then realize he joyfully did that because he took your place. So I'm in pretty marvelous light because this guy named Jesus, whom I've never met, so to speak, took my place. Took my place. Praise God. Propitiation, it simply means covered has somebody said to you, you know, uh, hey, would you, uh, would you uh, help, me, uh, mo- help me shovel the snow? And they say, I got you covered. Say it with me. I got you covered. You come with your sin to God and you say, God, you know, I got a deal going on. He goes, I got you covered. And literally it means covered. And we could go into the theology of that. Uh, kippurim, these are words that are, are dealing with a covering. And we could go into the theology of that. But it's better, at this is a message, if we just stay out on the outskirts and say, you know what, when I come to God with my darkness, he goes, you know what, if you trust me with that, I, I got you covered. I got you covered. All that pain, all that memory, all that woundedness, I got you covered. I'm in the marvelous light. I can't see the full spectrum. I'm blind to most of the spectrum, but the part I can see, I know it's beautiful. I'm covered. Redemption. I'm set free from sin and Satan, and I've been purchased by Jesus. I've been redeemed. Praise God. Do any of you remember the chain of sin around your heart and you couldn't stop? You couldn't do what you wanted to do. You couldn't be the man you wanted to be. You meant it from the core of your being. I'll never do that again. I'll never be like that again. You meant it with everything in your heart and turned around and did it exactly, exactly the same all over again because you were in chains. But then you came into the light and you're free from all of that. Praise God. I support all the 12-step programs. They're smarter than me and better than me, and I bless the 12-step programs. You hear me? I bless the 12-step programs. All right, I do have a beef with a 12-step program, and I want to say that. Hi, my name's Kent. I'm an alcoholic. All right? No. Hi, my name's Kent. When I was in darkness, I was an alcoholic. But now I'm in the light, and I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, and I am born again. I'm a new creation. All right, so much for my 12-step sermon. Sanctified, I am holy. Praise God, I'm talking about part of the light. We don't know all the mechanisms of how it works. We're blind to it, but I'm holy by His grace. Justification, my sins are pardoned, and God considers me righteous. My dad's favorite line in the day on, on uh, pardoning of sin. My dad said, now take your sin out back and throw it in the sea of God's forgetfulness. Right? That's an old-fashioned way of saying it. Throw it in the sea of God's forgetfulness. God's not going to remember it anymore. And then my dad's line. And put up a do not go fishing sign. <laughs> Amen. You are pardoned. Don't fish in that anymore. Praise God. Regeneration. I'm made spiritually alive. It's the instantaneous act of God whereby a person goes from spiritual death to spiritual life. Somebody today is going to go from death to life in a second. Just by putting your trust in the light of the world, Jesus Christ. I'm adopted. I'm a child of God. My daddy's the pilot. 
The guy running this whole universe is a friend of mine. What a friend we have in Jesus. I'm trusted in the sovereignty of God. I believe him. I trust him. He's my father. He's not just my father in theological terms. He birthed me as it were. I am a child of God. And then lastly, I have union with Christ. He indwells me. The Christian experience is more than an imitation of the life and teaching of Jesus. It is the present experience of the risen Christ indwelling the believer's heart by the Spirit. What kind of place am I in? I'm in marvelous light. And what is in that marvelous light? In that marvelous light is the God that raised Jesus from the dead by the Spirit, raised me from the dead by the Spirit, and to put the deposit of Jesus in my heart. I am indwelt by God today because of the work of Jesus Christ. I implore you, trust in Christ for salvation. I urge you with everything in me to have you lay aside the darkness that you cling to and turn to Christ. I encourage you in every way. I encourage you to let the light shine. Don't be afraid of when God shines his light and you go, oh, I'm embarrassed by that, God. I don't want anybody to see that. Don't run from the light. When you run from the light, you move into greater darkness. When God shines something on your light, move to the light. Move toward the love of God. Move toward him because the part of the spectrum you can't see is so much better than you can imagine. Salvation is better than what you can see right now. I don't know how to say it, but one day you're going to breathe your last and you're going to say, you know what? This is a pretty cool realm. I love the earth. God loves the earth. Seven, six times on creation, he said, it is good. When God opens his window and looks at the earth, he said, it's beautiful. And he's not wanting you to dislike it. He wants you to like his earth. He wants you to like the aurora borealis, the salmon, the mountains, the fishing. He likes you to like the people, but he's got something up his leave. I got something so much better than this realm, it won't even compare. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what the Lord is preparing for you. What God is preparing is outside the visible spectrum. We're blind to it, but it's better than anything a human brain can imagine. Praise God. It's better than anything the human brain can imagine. Praise God. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. God, I gaze on that part of you I can see. But Lord, the part I'm blind to is still beautiful. Amen. When I close my eyes, I see a gentle light. I have no concept of the color. I just want to state I have no sight. So opening my eyes in the morning, real simple things. I mean, just the simple things. Just opening my eyes in the morning, and listening to the birds outside my window chirping. I mean, it's, uh, it's a feeling that I'm alive. To me, beauty is character, personality, the way people carry themselves. Basically, it's just the way the person is, you know? 
And some people could be very pretty and beautiful inside just by the way they, they carry themselves or help or are concerned about my situation and stuff. I think beauty is experience. So an experience, I mean by that is, you know, the smell of warm baked cookies, the, the warm breeze against your skin, and the feel of uh, grass underneath your feet when you're you know, walking in the, in the front yard. Going to the beach and sitting by the shore to me is beauty and just imagining what the ocean looked like right now and what the sky looked like, that's beauty for me. At times it can be overwhelming because when you're blind, your life consists of nothing but feelings. Every day is a feeling. I feel that losing my sight has been a blessing, which means I don't care what nationality somebody is. I don't care how tall somebody is. I don't care how, how big or small they are. A person is beautiful because they are true to themselves. I have three babies, uh, 12 and nine, and my daughter just turned three. And to me, they're all beautiful, and I don't even know what they look like. They're beautiful inside. They're, they're me, you know, they're, they're me. Beauty for me is calm. Beauty for me is peace. I don't really need my eyes to enjoy beauty. That's beauty for me. But it's also people being and doing what is, what is right and what is good and caring about each other. Beauty is an experience of, of living and you know, finding, finding joy. I feel like joy is the most uh, beautiful thing in the world. You were the word in the beginning, one with God, the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King. What a beautiful name it is, and nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Without us, so Jesus, you go. Hey. 